Welcome to a new episode of Talking Rivals, where it's a weekly show exploring everything about the best bleeping rivalry in baseball. Uh, with your hosts, Patrick covering the Red Sox and Chris covering the Yankees. And remember, you can catch us wherever you catch podcasts, Spotify, Apple, and Google. And you could also catch us on Sportswire Radio at sportsanarium.com backslash player. And you could follow the station manager there, Thomas Bryce, at Thomas Bryce 2017 for all the scheduling, because there's other great shows on that network as well. So, Patrick, what's going How's on? Going? The Red Sox are heating up. We're heating up. It's uh, They are 23 and 25. They're finally in the plus column for run differential and uh, letting a couple of games slip through the cracks, though, in this winning streak that are going to come back to uh, – hopefully they don't come back to Biden at the end of the year, but they are heating up. The bats are definitely heating up. Uh, it's basically – well, yesterday it was a little bit of everybody in a 12-2 win, but uh, it's definitely been Bogarts, Devers, and J.D. Martinez. Even Christian Vasquez is batting over 300 now. So yeah. four regulars batting over 300. And uh, that just goes to show you that the hole that, they, that they've that they dug themselves because they're still under 500 with half their lineup batting 300. Wow. Um, pitching is is still I, – I think it I think it's starting to go back to what we both thought it would be at the start of the year where it was that this team just has to out-hit people. Um, the story is, was red hot for a while. Um, and like I said, it's, it's the middle of the order. It's guy, it's guys that are, you know, seeing the end of their contracts come and seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. And, you know, JD Martinez is just, I think he was batting three. I want to get it right. Um, after yesterday, he was batting 379. Hmm. Devers is batting 345. Bogart's batting 328. Um, the one, not the one, but I mean, Vasquez is up to 302, but then they took him out of the game because they said groin tightness. And that's not good for the catcher. No, that's, not. Um, yeah. But um, I mean, there there have been a couple of interesting, to put it nicely, losses. I know they were up eight to two on, I believe it was Friday. And they gave up 10 runs in three innings to end the game. But, you know, just stack wins. And, and I, I'm looking at them, the Red Sox getting to 500. That's, they need to get to 500 this week because today they're playing Baltimore. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, they play Cincinnati. Yeah. You got to win all three of those. Yeah, I would. And I would get so. the over five hundred, and then you go on the road at Oakland, at Los Angeles, at Seattle. So that's a tough. That's a tough road trip. That's three, six. That's ten games in ten days. Yeah, on the road. But to get to a game over five hundred at the start of June, from where they started, that that's May was a good month. Um. Yeah, it's uh, it's just some of these walk off losses. And I 
I'll just I'll just stick with May was a good month. It could have been a lot better. It could have been like a really, really incredible month. But Devers is batting almost 400 in a month. Um, some guys are just on fire and they're just going to have to out hit people and wait for uh, Sale and Paxton. Wait for the reinforcements to come down the line. And Sale looks like he's going to be back by the end of June, right? Yeah, he's throwing. Um, he hasn't thrown to live batting, but he's he's up to like 25, throw, 25 uh, call them pitches, I guess. 25 right. throws every appearance now. And I guess the, the plan is for him to throw BP, see how he feels. And then um, I, I think he's back. I, I would say before the All-Star game, definitely. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. And Paxton, who knows? Paxton, I think, is just gravy. They, they kind of played the long game with him, giving him almost a two-year deal. So, Yeah, if he comes back at any point and he does whatever he can do, you know, that's great for you. Right. And they can even limit his innings and, and maybe use him as a lefty in the bullpen. Right. So it's like a long reliever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's um, how I, I guess it's a tale of two, two months with the Red Sox and the Yankees, right? I mean, yeah. It's I mean, been, it's, it's flipped. It's, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's crazy because the Yankees are still sitting with the, best record in baseball they're still right they're still in first place by four and a half over tampa five and a half toronto and 10 over boston and you know and they they split with texas um texas with tampa bay and yeah that was probably the goal but they could have easily swept them you know i look back and the two games that they lost they just could not get any runs scored you know like yesterday they lost four two Left too many guys on base again. Uh, Severino did a good job. You know, when you're giving up three, four runs a game, you should be winning those games, especially with the offense that the Yankees should be putting out there. Yes. But the the last three games, they've scored two in the second game of this series, and they actually won that game 2-0 thanks to Tyone, eight innings, shutout ball. And the next night – um. Cole pitched and he pitched six innings, gave up only one run or two. Um, He was looking great too, but you know, again, you're not going to win a game scoring one run, (laughs) you know? So they've scored two, one and two, the last three games and they've only won one and they won one of those three, thankfully. But um, yeah, I mean, the offense not scoring, is definitely a problem. It's definitely concerning. I know a lot of Yankee fans and myself. Um, I know we got injuries. Yeah, we don't have Stanton. I get it. But this team has to score runs. I mean, I don't care how good the pitching is, right? You you got to score runs to, you know, it sounds stupid, but you got to score runs to, to win games. Yeah. Yeah. And right now they're, they're just not, I mean, they're just, it's basically right now it's, Aaron Judge and throwing a little bit of Gleyber Torres has been hitting, and that's about it. You know, yeah, Torres has been getting hot. Yeah, yeah. yeah Torres, I think it's just you got to get people on base for Judge. 
his second time up and yeah you can't i mean it, it sounds simple you need right. you need to score runs but right that's as simple as it gets you got to score runs and the the problem is you're getting nothing from hicks you're getting nothing from gallo you're getting nothing from the catching position the catcher position and add on you're getting nothing now from rizzo for the last month i mean he was great in april and you know he helped carry us, especially the first couple of weeks when when Judge started off a little slow. But I mean he's been really bad. And IKF, you know he's okay, but you know I, I'm not expecting him to put up big numbers anyway, so you don't expect that. Donaldson being out, and you know who knows when he's coming back. Um, you know, and and Stanton being out too. It's it's just there's the offense is just. I mean we re, we signed Matt Carpenter. You know, gave that a shot. Let's see how that works out. He's hit a home run already, but other than that, I don't know if he's that was his only hit so far in twelve at bats. Uh, nine. Yeah, he's, at, bats. at this point in his career, he's like a Marlon Gonzalez. Yeah, I mean, whatever he gives you, he gives you at this point. I mean, until you know, until Stanton gets back, until Donaldson comes back, then they'll they'll figure out something. But I, I look at, to me, I'm looking at Gallo. And I'm looking at Hicks the most, right? And those two spots are giving us absolutely nothing. You got Gallo batting 167 on the year. Hicks batting 200 now on the year. His on base is 326. His slugging, Aaron Hicks's slugging is 233. Yeah, that's not good. It's it's incredible. He's got two, just two extra base hits on the season so far. Through two months, he's got two extra base hits, a home run and a double. And we haven't seen them in a while. So, and he's got another what three and a half years? Yeah, something like that. And um, and I'll at what point do you start to think about moving on from one of them as far as a trade? Because every week goes by, and we say the same thing. Like you can find little things wrong with the Yankees, but they're still in first place, right? Best record to make, you know what I mean? It's like, at what point do you make a move? For me, I think with Hicks, I don't think you're going to be able to trade him. He's still got, yeah, like you said, he's still got three years after this year left and a so fourth maybe, year as an option. So maybe trade Gallo and then move Hicks to the fourth outfield spot. That's probably your best bet. I, I don't think they're going to eat Hicks's contract where you're just going to DFA him. I mean, because that's really what I think that's their conversation you got to have with him, because I don't think anyone's taking him, even if you eat the contract and basically give him for nothing. You know, like, right. I think that's the conversation because nobody's going to want Hicks. I don't think he's the same. Not that he was great before, but he was much better before this injury he had on his wrist. So and what do you think it is? Is it as simple as the injury and coming back from it? Just I think so. I, I It has to be because you can't be this bad. Right. I mean, he is right. I think he is 32. He's going to be 33, you know, in a few months. Maybe it's just that he's tailing off at the end of his this is the end of his career. And he's just that's it, you know, but I definitely think the injury has taken a toll. But I think with Gallo, Gallo's a free agent after this year. So I think Gallo, you could move. Gallo's still, even though he's not putting up any crazy numbers, obviously, 160, like I said, five home runs, seven RBIs. His on base is 270, and that was supposed to be his big thing that he could get on base, and he's not right. even doing that. 
his slugging is 300. I mean, he's a guy that's, you know, used to hitting 35, 40 homers a year and giving you gold glove defense. And you're not getting nothing out of this guy. So, but we've seen, I think Gallo, we've seen him be productive. So I think Gallo could be moved. And I think teams look at him like, like the way most of us are looking at him. Like he's just not comfortable in New York, you know, mentally, he's just not, this is just not right for him playing in New York. And I'm sure it's a dream for him too, because he's from New York, favorite team and all that, but it's just not working. So I think Gallo's the, the better shot at a trade. Um, it's just a matter of finding a, you know, a match with him. And cause we're going to, you got to replace at least one, you know, in the next, this month or next month, you know, when teams start to think about trading guys, because yeah. you can't keep running these guys out every day. And unfortunately, yeah. I mean, they even brought up Andujar and Andujar has been okay. You know, he's been two eighty six. Not so bad, but I don't think you could run him out there every – he can't be the starter either. So, um, you know, and, and whenever Stanton gets back, he's supposed to be back when the IL stint is over. So hopefully he does. But, um, yeah, they, I, that, that's where you got to make a move. And Donaldson, I think a lot of people are like, oh, I think they're, they're kind of getting rid of him because of – that whole thing with Anderson. I don't think so. I think he'll be back at some point. Um, we just haven't any, haven't heard any updates on his shoulder. So I don't know. Um, so that, that to me is what, what, what's troubling me with the Yankees is the offense because starting pitching has been, uh, you, you can't ask for anything more. You know, that's the right. way I look at it. You, starting pitching has been great right now. The, our highest ERA right now is Louis Severino at 3.38. For our, yeah, that's important. Um, yeah, I mean Cortez is just nobody's seen this coming, right? One point seven ERA, uh, four and one, and you got Cole not pitching like an ace, like we all want to see him, but he is, you know, four and one. He's still got a low ERA at three point one. Um, Montgomery's been solid. Uh, Tyone, like I said, has been very good. The bullpen, I think, once Chapman gets back. And once uh, Louisa gets back, we'll be fine. You know, I, I'm not – I think they'll add someone anyway in another month or two, but I don't think that's a pressing need like like the, the Gallo-Hicks situation. Those guys, it's just – you know, I think they run – it's run its course. You've got two months. You've had two months now to do something, and neither one has done anything in two months. Yeah, that's, so, that's a big enough sample size where it's – yeah. And I hate hearing, oh, it's just bad luck. I think the Post wrote a, an article today about Hicks saying that some of it is bad luck because he's hitting the ball hard. If he's hitting it at somebody, that's not bad luck. You know, you got to figure it out. <laughs> you know, I, that's the way I look at it. It's something is not right, whether it's because of the injury or, you know, like I said, he's 32. He's going to be 33 in a couple of months. Is that the problem? I really don't know. But he just looks done right now Hicks just done and Gallo I think it's just he's got to get out of New York I think he'll be fine someplace else maybe he just can't handle the pressure of not just playing in New York but playing for his team that he rooted for his whole life his hometown team and you know from the area and all that maybe that's getting to him also and like Paul O'Neill says you know the pinstripes are heavy when you first put them on but he's had enough time to to acclimate himself 
playing for the Yankees. Yeah. You know, we, we got them last year. It's not like we just picked them up a week ago and right. this is it, you know, so 167 is not cutting it. So that's, no. that's my big worry. You know, like I said, and splitting with Tampa was great. You know, I think that was the goal, but when you look back and say, man, we could have swept these guys and really like, you know, could have really distanced, put a little more distance on them, you know, mm-hmm. and taking uh, two out of three against Baltimore earlier in the, in the, in the week was what nice. Is, uh, what does the Yankees week coming up look like? I know you're off today. Yeah. Off today, we got uh, three against the angels at home and then three mm-hmm. against Detroit. So the angels yeah. should be an interesting series. Yeah, uh, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a series like just like the last one against Tampa Bay that I've been looking forward to. Um, Angels have been red hot this year. Obviously, Trout is is Trout. You know, once he's healthy, he's one of the greatest, if not, you know, he's definitely one of the greatest players of all time, but definitely the best player in baseball now. Um, and I think Rendon got hurt again, so I think he's on the IL. Ten day IL. Yeah. But um, but the rest of the team is pretty healthy. They've been actually pitching well, something I don't think either one of us was expecting, you know, with nope. the Angels. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that should be an interesting three-game series. It usually is. You know, Angels always going back to God knows how long. The Angels have always given the Yankees problems, and especially recently. So um, definitely looking forward to that. Detroit, you know, that's a team that I think both of us was expecting to do much better. You know, maybe not a playoff team, but a much better team than yeah, what I thought on. they would hover around 500. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're 17, 29. Uh, if it wasn't for Kansas city <laughs> in that division, <laughs> I, I thought they would be more like what the white Sox are right now. 23 and 23. Yeah. I didn't see Minnesota keeping this up, but they are. So Think about it. They're only a game better than Cincinnati right now. Right? Yeah. (laughs) So that's pretty scary considering how bad Cincinnati was. I mean, they've played much better, Cincinnati, but when you think about how bad Cincinnati was the first month or month and a half. I mean, looking around the league, Colorado's starting to tail off a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Arizona, you know, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Washington, Miami. They're all, the, the bottoms are starting to feel like what they should as far as the bottom of each division. Yeah. Like we always say that the cream always rises to the top. Right. And that's, yeah, it's just, it sometimes takes a little while. I mean, I, I still don't understand how Minnesota's doing it, but yeah, me either. Yeah. That one doesn't make sense. I still think, I know the white Sox have injuries, but they should be better than what they are. Um, yeah. They're like, you talk about the run difference. White Sox right? are negative 45. Run difference. Yeah. That's amazing. And they're 500. So, and look yeah. at Cleveland. Cleveland is 10 over in, in run differential and they're five below 500. Yeah. Uh, it's, I guess they're, they're winning close games and then getting blown out. <laughs> uh, the White Sox, that is. Yeah. Getting blown out when they lose. Um, did you see, as we talk about the rest of the league, did you see any of the Sunday night game last night? Yeah, that's, oh, yep. uh, Phillies. Phillies defense is atrocious. Oh my god, I, I, I feel bad. You know, I feel bad for Girardi because he's just playing the cards that he's been handed. But they're just—it's just a horribly constructed team. You know, yeah, they, they they should be able to score a lot of runs, but 
defensively, like you said, they are just horrible. I mean, they could be a much better team if they had, you know, a little better defense. But and it's it's what even further's done makes it even worse is that now you have to put Harper as the DH. Right. So then you have to run out Castellanos. You have to run out Schwarber. It's just, I've said it before, it's like a beer league softball team. It's just, you got to out hit people. And it puts a lot of pressure on your offense. And think about it. Harper is not exactly a gold glove right fielder either. You know, he's a good no. right fielder, but not, you know, we're like, oh yeah, he's going to save the day for us out there. Right. He's, you know, he's just solid. I wouldn't even go, you know, great. I would say he's a solid right fielder. And and then but they, I mean, half that lineup in that in the field is, is negative defensively. They're just horrible. They're just not producing as far as making short outs. They're not even talk about like making plays that they could make or just just make the plays that you should. The ones that are hit right at you. And you know and what? And getting swept by the Mets. And then now they're 10 and a half behind the Mets. And the Mets don't look like they're going to stop at all. And, no. and let's face it, they're also doing this without their top two pitchers. Yep. Right. And just so happens those top two pitchers are basically the top two starters in baseball <laughs> when yep. they're healthy. I mean, so <laughs> if, if they had, I, I know DeGrom was in the dugout last night. So that was step in the right direction um i have no idea they keep on saying they keep on they keep on moving the goalposts i know it's a it's a tricky thing with his injury yeah and his injury history as of late but it just seems like it's kind of whatever they can get out of him this year is a bonus right whether he comes back and after the All-Star break, August, early September. Now, I heard right? some people say July 1st. Other people said wait till after the All-Star break. I, I mean, obviously, you want your best point. player out there. But if you're in first place by eight and a half games. <laughs> Without him. Take it easy. Right. So you don't have to rush him back. back and, yeah. No. And, and let's be honest. All you need him is to make a couple of starts in September and have him ready yep. for the playoffs. Right. Yep. That's that's really what you really need, because obviously you're there's nobody in that division that's going to, you know, can I think Atlanta can go on a run at some point because they 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 have a good team. You know, it's there yeah. on paper. They're a very good team, so they can make a run. It's just a matter of when and is it going to be too late? Right. So, but the Mets are just they're just rolling, man. And and think about it. And they don't even have McGill. And McGill was great when he came up. For sure, is it? Yeah, he was so, the lights out at the start of this year. Yeah. So imagine when they get these three guys back. You know, those are your top three. And then Bassett's been great this year for them. Throwing Carrasco. I mean, that's that's a great starting five going yeah. into the playoffs. I mean, that's a dangerous team. And the the ability to make a move at, at the trade deadline where they could pick up just about anybody they want if they want to. Yeah, money is no object. They could pick up somebody's quote-unquote bad contract. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that's going to stop them from acquiring somebody is maybe their lack of depth in the minors, right? They do have a few guys, but I don't think they want to trade some of them. 
I don't so, think they want to touch Alvarez or Bailey. Right. So when you take off your top two prospects, it kind of, to your point, it limits you. Yeah, a little bit. You know, because you know the. Dollars. But if you can pick up someone's bad contract, you don't have to give them as much in return. Right. Do they need a switch hitting center fielder? Because I have a bad contract. <laughs> <laughs> We're willing to hey. take nothing back. Hey, you never know. I mean, I know. <laughs> they already lost one of their outfielders, right? Jankowski, their fourth outfielder. Yeah. And then the guy that they call up gets a gets a big hit for them. So yeah, <laughs> that's that type of year for them. Yeah. So. Watch out for them for sure. I mean, that's uh, that's definitely the team to watch in the National League right now. What other teams are, I guess, surprising? I mean, other than Minnesota, the top of the divisions are, I mean, the West is starting to, I mean, San Francisco has started to fade a little bit. The three and seven in the last 10. San Diego is still, I mean, the, I'm looking at the NL West because the Dodgers are playing 700 baseball and they're outscoring people by a crazy amount. And they're only three games up on San Diego. Hmm. It's interesting because I, I didn't, I knew San Diego was talented, but I didn't see them playing this well. Hosmer's found. Second uh, resurgence, second life, if you will. Uh, Machado was playing out of his mind. Uh, the guy that they brought up that I kept on trading him to you guys for Judge was is pitching well. Kenzie Gore, um, he's been a long talked about prospect, and they're doing all that without um, without Tatis. Has there been an update on him? I haven't heard anything about Tatis. Uh, yeah, that's been. Very quiet. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for them because I have not heard a thing about that guy about coming back or not. So um, that'll be interesting because if if he comes back, that I mean, you add that guy to the lineup again, you know, it, it's just crazy. And okay. another thing that just came through was uh, I know it's only a fifteen day IL uh, is Brandon Woodruff. So the Brewers are going to be without Peralta for a much longer term, and that was like an arm injury. Woodruff is just an ankle sprain. Right. But still, without Peralta and Woodruff for a couple of weeks, that could be um, – that could this could be uh, the Cardinals' chance to um, gain some ground and see what happens. Yeah. And I just looked up Tatis. They said he – he went for a bone scan and there's still more healing need to be done. So he's not even clear to do any kind of swinging or any kind of baseball activities yet. So it's, hmm. so that sounds like not until the all-star break, at least, at least probably longer, but um, yeah. Yeah. But Hey, if they, they keep rolling like they are, does it really matter? You know, again, just like with the Mets, you just want these guys back before the playoffs start. You yeah. Know? I mean, right now, San Diego's got a nice lead in the, the wild card. They're only three behind, I think. Uh, yeah, they're three behind the Dodgers. So they're hanging in, and that's all you got to do. Um, I, I think, for me, the biggest surprise, not other than I mentioned earlier, Atlanta. 
but another team I think we were expecting much more from was Seattle. Yes. I mean, they're eight below right now, 500. They're just horrible. Yeah, they're three and seven in the last 10. Um, And I, I thought, especially with that move towards the end of the off season uh, with Suarez and Winker. Yep. I, I thought that was not put them over the top, but I thought that was going to put them into the discussion to make a wild card. And so far they just, they haven't been playing well at all. No. And you know, the way they finished last year, they were like the hottest team. They just missed the playoffs and coming into this year, they made a lot of changes, signed Robbie Ray um, like you said, Suarez and Winker at the end, where I thought, wow, that's pretty amazing. Um, and they just got back uh, their outfielder, Kyle Lewis, um, you know, to go with Rodriguez and Hanniger out there and Winker. I mean, Ty France is having a really good year. Yeah. You know, the but. team that's they, – they got the – I mean, everybody's there. You can't say, well, they – like these, some of these other teams, well, like, you know, they got injured and stuff like that. This, this team is healthy too. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe the starting pitching after Ray, you got Marco Gonzalez, who should be better. You got Chris Flexen, Logan Gilbert. Maybe they just pitched a little bit ahead of them themselves last year. Yeah. Cause there's no, like, other than Ray, there's no household name. No, and they, they're not that, pitching well. That you can and say, oh, that guy's going to give me 30 starts. Yeah. And Ray hasn't even pitched well. No. His ERA is almost five. So Gilbert's been excellent. Gonzalez has been good. Flexen, mm, not so good. You know, he's got almost four and a half ERA. So, yeah. Um, to me, right there, it's pitching. That's And that's... And that's also an interesting team getting closer to the trade deadline, right? Because now they might be sellers, which right, they might move somebody like a Ty France who's having a career year. Yeah. Try to get a little younger. Um yeah, they they should not be closer to Oakland than they are to looking, they should not be looking up at Texas. No. <laughs> Definitely not. That, that yeah, there's no way they should be fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah, so something is uh, something is definitely not right there. To me, them in them in Atlanta, yeah. are the biggest surprise for me in a negative way. Um, Philly, I know you. I know you were a little higher. I, I just I just thought that they were going to outhit people. I thought yeah. Philly was going to put it together as far as. I figured in that, in that stadium, in that ballpark, they could they could run out some sort of outfield combination to figure it out. But I didn't see – I couldn't see that Harper was going to get injured and then you have to play Schwarber and Castellanos in the outfield together. Right. So – and I, I think you called it their bullpen is just – it's atrocious, even with yeah. Evil and Knievel's been garbage too. And he was that one spot where you thought, all right, you know what? They finally got a decent guy that could close the game at least. Um, he has not done well either. Uh, blew the game last night. 
gave up a home run to a guy that was, like you said earlier, it was just brought up on the first yeah. pitch. <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and Zach Wheeler is, you know, he's pitching good. He's, he's back to what he was, I think, what he was last year. But, yeah, I mean, Nola and Wheeler, it's pretty good. But the rest yeah. of it is. Yeah, after that, it's just, you know, you got Cal Gibson, Ranger Suarez, and Zach Eflin as your next, you know, three, four, and five star. Yeah, they, they definitely need to either. I have a saying in mind, but I can't really say it. They, they need to decide one way or the other what they're doing. Right. They, they need to either trade off some of these pieces and get better defensively. Or I maybe I'd hate to say they go all in because what are they going in for? <laughs> uh, get some pitching. Right. They, they just need pitching. I don't but know. They, they, they just signed a bunch of guys. I mean, Castellanos signed, Schwarber's just signed, Harper's in the middle of the. You're not moving some of these guys. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, even if they're sellers, think about it. Even if they're sellers, are you really? Is if they're sellers, who are they moving? Maybe Didi or Segura to a team yeah. that needs like a, a utility infield type. And you're not going to get much for them either. No. I mean, especially I, I feel bad because I love DD. I mean, every Yankee fan loved DD when he was here. And there a lot of people were hoping we'd bring him back this year when we needed a shortstop, but he has not been good either. So um yeah, this is a team that's they spent a lot of money. I mean, you're talking about a payroll of $233 million. So they're in really bad shape when it comes to that. I mean, this is not a team that's you know, like, oh, okay, a couple more players. And I don't even think they're a player or two away from getting that much better. Right. That's why I said go all in, but not really. I think they might have to. I mean, and you can't put a catcher. Like <laughs> I, I would say maybe the corner infield. I would say their infield, they have to. If the outfield is what it is at this point with Schwarber, Castellanos, Harper. Yeah. Herrera, you're not really going to make that many changes, but I think the infield is where you can start to get younger, get better defensively, maybe move on from. I know Bomb is young, and I know they brought up a shortstop in Stott or Strott, who is a young guy. Um, maybe move on from Reese Hoskins and Segura and See what you can get back and start. I don't know what their what their uh, prospects look like. So, yeah, yeah, I don't but know. They definitely they're... have to get better defensively. Yeah, definitely. I mean, maybe even I don't know if you. Get, I don't think you could get rid of Real Muto. You might be able to get rid of Real Muto. I mean, he's thirty one. He still has three more years left at like twenty three million dollars a year, twenty four million. So it's almost seventy five million after this. Um. So that you might be able to get rid of, you know, a team uh, just, I don't think the Yankees will look for him, but the Yankees would be a great example because they could use a, a catcher with some offense, but he just, he hasn't done much offensively this year. No. <laughs> 247, three home runs, 14 ribbies. 
So that's not good. Um, yeah, maybe they could get rid of like a Schwarber at the deadline. I know they just signed him, but and he's got three years left at twenty million apiece. You know, someone's yeah, on that, that contract. Yeah, that's gonna be an interesting team because what what you have, you're not, you can't really point to just one position and say if we shore this up. <laughs> so, yeah, I would I would at least think about trading one of Schwarber or Castellanos. Yeah. If they can, if somebody would be willing to take one of them, because they're both, you know, obviously horrible defensively. So that would at least help you out in one position in the outfield. Um, maybe you could get rid of Real Muto as well. I, I know that you hate to do that, but, you know, I don't know. It's that's a tough situation. Um, like I said, I don't think they're one or two players away from making a move. They're already 10 out of that division. And they, it looks like there's no way they're catching the, the Mets either. I mean, no. Nope. Like I said, I think the only team that's capable of doing that is the Braves. And they would have to go on a, an incredible run like they did last year in the second half. So definitely a team to look out for because I don't know what they're going to do, Philly. <laughs> you know, and Girardi is – you know, he's going to go. If, if they don't make the playoffs, he's definitely fired. He might even get fired before the season. I, I thought he'd be fired by the end of May, the way they've been playing. But I think at some point, if he they keep playing like this under 500 at, at the All-Star break, I could see them making it. I can see the All-Star break. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think so soon. But, um, yeah, he's not, he's not going to see that much more time. Yeah. Yeah, because like I said, it's a 230. I'm not saying it's a greatly constructed lineup and team. But still, but they still put money into it. So, yeah, that's the bottom line. They'll say, listen, we spent $230 million on this payroll. We expect them to be at least in the playoff hunt. You yeah. know, and right now, they're just not. I mean, they're 10 back of the division, and they are five back of the wild card. So, they're not totally out of it, but. I don't know. I don't see them making any moves, <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. not looking good for them whatsoever. No. So we'll see. How about you? Is there any other teams that like we, that I, you know, that we both haven't really said anything. Is there another team out there? It's weird because with the extra wild card, a lot of teams are still in it. Yeah. Um, Toronto. I was going to say Toronto was kind of just quietly lingering a little over 500, but then they won seven out of their last 10, won five in a row, because before that, they were just two games over 500. Hmm. But then they went on a five-game winning streak. Um, I, I still think... I, I still think Cleveland has too much pitching. I know they don't have a great offense. But I could see them – I'm trying to picture, like, a trade partner. I could see them with picking up somebody like a Kyle Schwarber. Mm. Yeah. Because Schwarber's got two years left on his contract. I could – if Cleveland just picks up one or two bats, I know they're five games under, and they're looking up at the White Sox and the Twins, but either that or just tear it down. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are in that – that kind of bubble 
where it's do they make two moves and try to make that last wild card, or do they subtract a couple of their bigger price players and go for a full teardown? I think we know the answer with Oakland and Cincinnati, Washington, Pittsburgh. But uh, I'm looking at teams like the Cubs. Uh, we already talked about the Phillies. We already talked about the Braves. But I'm looking at, like, the Cubs, Texas. I mean, Texas is only two games. Texas is three and a half back of the wild card. Cleveland's five back. Uh, it's – I don't know – I'm usually in for a good couple of predictions every episode, but I have no predictions when it comes to the trade deadline because with the extra wild card, I have no idea who's going to be a buyer, who's going to be a seller, combination of both. Yeah, it could, it, it seriously could go either way with a lot of, and there's a couple of teams that we know are going to definitely be buyers. The, the, the rich are going to get richer. Yep. The Yankees, the Dodgers, the Mets, they're going to look to add pieces. But after that, it's, like I said, there's a lot of teams that are not quite out of it, not quite in it. And we'll see. You'll be able to tell a lot by the trade deadline of where teams believe they are compared to where the fan base thinks they are. And a team like Houston is – is uh an interesting team too, because I don't know if they were expecting to be this good. Right. I thought this was like, a yeah, I, I didn't, I, I never seen that kid paying the play before. So I got to say that I was completely wrong. Cause I was like, Oh, just looking at it from afar, you get rid of, you let a great shortstop walk for more money and you bring in a rookie. It's going to, you're going to take a step back and they haven't. No. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. And, w- and when you look at some of their veterans, um, yeah. too, like I mean, Brantley is just a, a, a consummate pro. Um, yeah. Alvarez is coming into his own. Kyle Tucker is quietly putting up great years. And they've got nothing out of their catchers. You want to talk about, um, at least offensively, Martin yeah. Maldonado. Is batting. I don't even know if they. Have. He's batting one twenty three. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but the good thing is he has thirteen hits and ten RBIs. That's there you go. <laughs> That's something. They'll take it, right? And Castro, look at Castro. He's he's not better. <laughs> Incredibly, Castro. Castro. <laughs> I don't even want to look up Castro because at one point when they were playing in Fenway, two catchers on their roster, Castro and Maldonado combined, weren't batting 300. Yeah, they're not even batting two. They're not even batting 250 now because Castro's at 114 with one RBI. Yeah, and to be in it, I mean. (laughs) That's incredible. It is. It's. But they're playing, you know, again, that's a team that I'm not saying it because I think I had them winning the division because I just figured they would figure it out because they just got a veteran team and 
they'll they'll just figure it out. But they're doing more than figuring it out. And you know, you got you got Bregman, who's got I think one more year before he hits free agency. So this might be the last kind of hurrah with Bregman, Altuve, Brantley. Brantley's a free agent after this year, yeah. but he's the only one. Really. Him and uh, uh, Goriel, I think, is a. But I mean, Brantley's getting up there in age. Altuve's getting up there in age. I, when I say last hurrah, I mean with these guys together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you don't look at this roster and say. I mean, because Pena and Alvarez are going to be there for a while. Yeah. But Maldonado, Redman, Altuve, Brantley. They might. Ridiculous for sure. Yeah. You know, so that's. And they're, I don't want to say running away with it in the West, but they're certainly uh, (laughs) taking care of business in that West, you know. But if it wasn't for the Angels, right? Angels playing great. They're only three and a half back. Texas hanging in, but. Like we know, they'll they'll probably start to go down, and I, I think Seattle's got a run in them, just like last year. I, I yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to the deadline. It's going to be interesting to see the fan. We look at it and we say, "Oh well, you're only a couple games back or whatnot." But I'm I'm still waiting to see what the GMs say as far as do we actually think our team is in it? Because some of these teams. They might be four or five games back of the final wild card spot, but you can't tell me Texas is a playoff team. No, definitely not. <laughs> so, be interesting now, to see. We have we have trivia. Yeah. Just, oh, and also uh, to all the veterans out there, happy Memorial Day. Definitely, and yes, and I still don't understand why every team isn't playing on Memorial Day. Yeah, that kind of bothers me. Mother's Day, Father's Day, Memorial Day, July 4th, Labor Day, all that should be every team play. Right. Should be triple, quadruple headers today. Yeah. Um, And it should be on ESPN if they feel like covering baseball once a year. (laughs) Should Um, be a 1 o'clock game, a 4 o'clock game, a 7 o'clock game, and then a 10 o'clock game. Yeah. That's perfect. MLB Network. And if you want to watch it, it's there. If you don't, go to ESPN 44 and watch, you know, the axe throwing. I mean, some of the stuff that they have on these channels and they don't have Major League Baseball on, it just baffles me. I know baseball isn't for everybody, but I saw World Axe Throwing League. I saw (laughs) Cornhole Championships. I mean, it's a... There's got to be a better way of promoting the league. Yeah. It, it's, I don't know. They definitely dropped the ball here, without a doubt, you know. Um, but, um, yeah, I, when I seen that, I'm like, I, I'm happy the Yankees are off because they've played, what, like three straight weeks without a day off. So they definitely needed the day off. But the, like you said, every team should be playing today. This should be. Like I said, four four games highlighted on TV. Yeah. One o'clock, four o'clock game, a seven o'clock game in prime time, and then another one later on for the West Coast, ten o'clock. Yeah. It makes no sense whatsoever that, that they're not every game, every team is not playing today. So but um anyway, I do have a trivia for you. But um before we get to trivia, I just wanted to add you could catch us. I didn't say it earlier. 
you can catch us at talkingrivals.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Talking Rivals. You could follow uh, Patrick at Patrick Trotty and myself at CP7NY. Um, just before we get to our trivia, I just wanted to let everybody know about that. Drop us a line, send us a private message, send us a message on Twitter. If you guys want to ask a, a question, something we should be covering that we're not covering, um, you guys want to jump on with us. Maybe we could uh, discuss something you guys want to discuss. Just want to hang out and talk Red Sox Yankees like we do or baseball. More than welcome. Just drop us a, a message and uh, we'll set it up. Um, and the trivia. This is kind of an easy one. I seen it the other day pop up on the famous last words. <laughs> it showed up on the Yankee. Well, I was like, you know what? This is a this is a decent one. So um, there's been only five players that have gotten 13 or more gold gloves. Oh, wow. Two are pitchers and three are position players. Kind of the old Jim Cott. He had 16. Did Maddox have 13? Uh, he had 18, actually. Wow. Okay. He's got the most of any player in, in baseball. Okay. And then Brooks Robinson. He had 16. So that's three out of five. So two more position players. Yep. Um, you know, the oh, hello, Ozzie Smith. Yep. 13. And then is the last one like an obvious one or. Yeah, I would say so. He's a hall of famer. Okay. Oh, uh, Willie Mays. Cause he was there for. No, but I think he's had double, double digit, uh, gold gloves. Okay. But not um, 13. I'm going to leave this one blank. Cause I could go in any number of directions. I'll give you the position. To okay. Catch because you. I could just list off Hall of Famers that could be here for a while. It's a catcher. Kind of thing. Catcher? Yep. Johnny Bench? No. Wow. I, that's what I thought, to be honest. Hall of Fame catcher. All those gold gloves of Ron Rodriguez? Correct. Wow. He had 13. Yeah, I mean, Hall of Fame catchers, there aren't that many. No, uh, definitely. Not. <laughs> so that's why I made it a little easier for sure. Yeah, yeah, he definitely did. Because I was going to, well, when I asked if it was obvious, because some guys, no offense, are just known for defense. And it's like, that guy was in the league that long. You know, he's batting like 210 and he racks up, you know, 10 gold gloves or whatnot. But, when you get to that number of gold gloves, you have to be in the league a while. You have to kind of bat your weight. And just to add uh, to your guesses, Willie Mays had 12 gold gloves, so he just missed this list. Ooh. And Johnny Bench had 10. So, okay. so there you go. No, no shame in that. No, no, not at all. Having a, a dozen gold gloves is not a bad <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, I would Brooks say. Brooks Robinson it was amazing. Yeah. Some of the, I mean, I I never saw him play. Uh, he was before my time, so all the all the highlights I see are of the amazing plays. But from what I've heard, he made all the routine plays as well. He wasn't one of these guys that's just you know booting the regular one and then making outstanding plays. He was just great glove. Yeah. 
Oh, no doubt. I mean, I didn't get a chance to see him either, but um, the ones I seen growing up that were just amazing was obviously Greg Metal series. Yeah, Mike Schmidt, George Brett was great at third. Um, you know, and then now you got Craig Nettles was. I thought he was underrated as a defensive third baseman. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was phenomenal, especially in the world the World Series against the Dodgers. Um, yep. Here's a and little. Now, here's something you would never guess. One of the greatest players when he retires is going to go down as one of, easily one of the greatest players of all time, and also one of the greatest defensive center fielders of all time as well. Mike Trout right now has no gold glove. I could actually see that. <laughs> Not that I'm saying he's a bad defender, but right. he's the, got the, that's one of those positions where it's like a shortstop and center field and catcher right up the middle. You can see Trout. Trout is a good, good center fielder defensively, but there are certain positions where you almost get defensive specialists. How many, you know, it's that stereotypical weak hitting goal, like glove first position. And one of those positions is center field. Right. It's a rare person that puts it all together, like Aaron or Griffey or, and this is splitting hairs because Trout is still a very good defensive center fielder. Oh, exceptional. <laughs> I'm just uh, – the, the, the greatest – I'm trying to think the greatest defensive center fielder I've ever seen play. And just for – there's another thing. In my time, I, Jackie Bradley is right up there. I know yeah. Andrew Jones is great. Andrew Jones is probably my answer. Yeah, I would say – yeah, a couple of guys I always thought was amazing in center field. Jim Edmonds. Yeah. Um, uh, Tory Hunter was amazing in center. Yeah. So Andrew Jones, obviously, like you said, Mike Trout has made 21 errors in 12 years in the outfield. Yeah, it's pretty good. It, it's I don't know what his other defensive numbers are. I'm sure. Right. Like, the range factor. Yeah, uh, that I don't know. But I mean, he's just it's amazing. But he won. He has a Wilson overall defensive player of the year award but he doesn't have a gold glove. So, yeah, I was going to look up his real quick. Let's see. He is fielding. Um, Yeah. He's only played a couple of games in left and right. So the majority of his things are in center field. Um, In center field, to be, even further your point, he's only made 17 of 21 errors <laughs> in over 10,000 innings. That's pretty amazing. Um, his range, yeah, it's basically not to get too far in the weeds, but range factor is just, you know, how, how many, how many can you get? Can you get to it? It's basically what it sounds like. I don't know how to calculate it, but right. <laughs> um, the number he's it's basically showing that he is just below the league. He is right around the league average of getting to 
balls in the gap and getting to shallow fly balls and deep fly balls on the warning track. Oh, his okay. range is league average, and he, his fielding percentage, to your point, is exceptional. Hmm. So the ones that he does get to, he's not making errors. And he's getting to at least an average amount. Right. So he should have won gold glove somewhere. But I'm trying to think who won the gold gloves in the past decade. Hmm. And just looking at his stats, you would you you'd think he's going to add his 10th All-Star appearance this year. Um, he's got eight silver sluggers already. Player of the year, he's got a two-time All-Star MVP. He's a three-time regular season MVP. So he's Since he's been in the league, you have Adam Jones won a lot. One, two, three, four. Kevin Kiermaier won two. Buxton won one. Bradley won one. Luis Robert and Michael Taylor last year. Mm. Let's see. What seasons? I know he Jacob missed. Kobe Ellsbury won one. Oh, did he? I know. Uh, Yeah, he came in the league right after Torrey Hunter, so it wasn't when Torrey Hunter was. Ellsbury did win one. He won it in 2011. 2011. Yep. Yeah, no, that's yeah, last last year. The outfield was interesting. Benintendi, Taylor, and Gallo. <laughs> <laughs> but again, when it's the human element, when it's writers deciding. You get some. You get some outliers once in a while. Yeah, definitely. And and last year Trout was hurt, so I you can't really get yeah. him. Obviously, yeah, a couple of years he's been he's been he hasn't been playing enough games to kind of qualify for it or to get it. But he should have. I I could have I could have sworn that there was one year where he deserved it at least at least yeah. one time. You would think so, right? <laughs> Guy, I'm not feeling bad for him. His shelf is pretty, pretty much yeah. full of trophies. Yeah, he'll be, and he'll be adding, I'm sure, a couple of them this year because he's having just an yeah. amazing year again. So, but that's kind of interesting. <laughs> kind of further with Trout, where where would you put him? I know we were talking about maybe it was all year, but we were talking about the ESPN top 100 list of MLB players in history. Oh, what area would you put Trout in? Huh. Or maybe make it easier. What outfielders do you have above Trout? Hmm. That might make it easier. Well, I only have a few. Yeah, I mean, you got to put Willie Mays above him. You got to put Ty Cobb above him. Uh, Ruth. Ruth, Mantle, uh, Trish Speaker. I think the one comp that's perfect right now is Joe DiMaggio. If you look at their stats, I would venture to say that, and I, this is crazy because Trout's not done with his career. And I would venture to say DiMaggio and Trout, if you compared their stats. He's going to have better stats than DiMaggio, I'll tell you that right now. Oh, yeah, by the end of his career, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would think so. As long as he stays somewhat healthy, 
he's already close to him in home runs. Trout's got 323. DiMaggio's got 361. Yeah. Hits, Trout will, should top him next year. Yeah, I was just – I'm sorry, not hits. Uh, run. Right now. Yeah, no, he's close in – within three years, he'll he'll top him in almost everything. So he's that Do you close. put Trout above Griffey? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Griffey missed a lot of games too. Um, so maybe for outfielders, you, you don't quite be – I at least for me, I don't put him on that first outfield. Like if you're making an outfield of all-time team. Yeah, that's all-time. But I would Willie say – yeah, if he's not if he's not the first team, he's definitely not the first team, but you can make an argument, I think, for the second team, but I think more he should be more third team. Yeah, there. like third, the third center fielder, maybe behind yeah. what Mays and Trish Speaker. When you go by war, just straight war numbers. Yeah. Willie Mays, just to give you just to give everybody numbers here, Willie Mays. Finished his career at 156.1. Ty Cobb, 151.4. Trish Speaker, 134.8. So you're talking about just amazing numbers. This is just. Yeah, those three, those three I would put as the top three center fielders. And then after that, you got Mickey Mantle at 110.2. And then followed him, you got Griffey at 83.8. DiMaggio at 79.2. But Trout is going to be should best him this year. He's at seventy nine right now for his career. If, if yeah, because when we say outfield, then you get into like usual Ted Williams, Barry Bonds, yeah. corner outfielders, Babe Ruth. But center field, I would right there with with Mickey Mantle. I would definitely say he's top five center fielders of all time. Definitely top five, possibly. I top mean, four. after. We can all agree that Willie Mays, and then you could say Cobb, Speaker, and then you can make a case for Trout right there. Yeah, right? I think because Mantle kind of got some of his career numbers as a corner outfielder too, right? Yeah, and, and a first baseman. Trout and, and Trout is still only thirty, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's um, it's a pretty good company to be in. If you give him three more years at if you give him three healthy, full years of putting up stats, he's definitely in the top four of yeah. center fielders. He'd have to get hurt the next few years, and which which is also possible. I hope not, but that's also a possibility. But yep. this is a guy that's yeah, if he stays healthy the next three years, you're talking fourth best center fielder of all time. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, we and again, we always bring it up, but you know, he's a guy that's played most of his games while most baseball fans are in bed. You yeah. Know, that's why we haven't gotten a chance to really appreciate him. And, and on top of that, they ha- they've only been in the playoffs one year since he, hopefully this year they get it. Yeah. I think you brought it up a couple episodes ago. It's like, he's like the Ernie Banks at that position. Yeah. More or less. <laughs> All time. Great. At a premium position, but unfortunately hasn't done it in October or hasn't had the chance or, just a number of things, but hopefully he stays healthy and he puts up more stats and he gets into that conversation, you know, top couple. Yeah. I, 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 I think he will. I think we're going to, 
we're going to see him finish as the fourth greatest center fielder of all time. Yeah. You know, just above Mickey or right. If he's not above Mickey, they'll be right next to each other. You know, it'd be one of those. Yeah. And to me, look, I never saw Trey Speaker play. It's not like, you know, I can give you a scouting report on Trey Speaker, but certain players, it's like they quietly become an all-time great because you don't think of Trish Speaker as an all-time great off the top, at least for me, off the top of my head. He kind of right. gets lost in the conversation, whereas guys like Mantle and Ken Griffey Jr. are almost larger than life. Right. Like even non-baseball fans will say, oh, Mickey Mantle is a great player. Yeah. And non-baseball fans not going to say Trish Speaker. Definitely not, and – Maybe it's because Tris Speaker, what he played for, I'm not putting you guys down, but he played for Boston early on. Yeah, of course. You know, it's all about time and place. For a good amount of time, you know. And Trout is quietly, I mean, look, he gets his credit, but it's not like one of these things where there's like a myth around him where it's like Willie Mays and Mantle, Joe DiMaggio were like larger than life. Right. Trout kind of, I think it's to your point, you know, West Coast, not in the playoffs, just getting his job done, just going about his business. And he kind of, and I think baseball fans maybe take him for granted because he's just, he just goes out and does it every year when he's healthy. He's just there. It's a lot like the game of baseball. It's just there, dependable. It's just, it's always there. And it's a lot of, and I think I'm one included. A lot of baseball fans take him for granted. They just assume, oh, well, he's going to put up a, you know, eight to 10 war every year. And I think it's some- almost, it, to bring it to another sport, it's almost like the fatigue of Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, Only- and I'm not comparing them. I'm just saying that after a while, sustained greatness is you look for the next person. You know what I mean? It's always who's the younger version, who's the new kid on the block. And it's it's sad to say, you know, you blink and his career is over with. It's like, don't take it for granted while it's happening. Yeah. And, because you know, again, like a lot of us didn't get a chance. We didn't get a chance to see him play, you know, for most, for so far, the most part of his career, we really didn't get a chance to see him play much. You know, not being in the playoffs, playing on the West Coast, or not even just having a good team. So at least they would be on either a Sunday night game, you know, the big Sunday night game or Monday, you know, like one of the bigger or the TBS game or Fox game during the day. You know, like you just we just didn't get a chance to see him. Us, you know, being Yankee and and Red Sox fans, we see him twice a year. Yeah. If we're lucky, because sometimes unfortunately he's had injuries in his in his past. Now the last year or two, the talk has always been when the angels come into town right or wrong it's always been otani or why is this team doing so poorly yeah and by the time they get around to talking about trout the team's you know back to the west coast yep when you only see a team for like a couple games a year it's easy to overlook them so and i wonder if some fans not that they should be (laughs) i'm gonna say it in I don't know if this is the right way to say it either because fans shouldn't say this just because 
maybe they kind of blow off his numbers of like, yeah, all right, because he's never done it on the big stage. He's never done it during. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, like that. I think with a straight face, you can say it's he's not the greatest because he's not the greatest of all time because he hasn't been able to do it in the postseason. I think that's valid. I know it's a team game, but you would think. I hope he makes the playoffs. Yeah. Because we I talk about he, other I hope players. he does well in the playoffs. I hope he doesn't do well against my team, but I hope he does well against somebody. Because when you talk about other players, like Trish Speaker, Trish Speaker is a three-time World Series champion, right? Yeah. So he did it. Uh, Mickey Mantle, Look at obviously. What Mantle, DiMaggio, even Willie Mays has done. Yeah, Ty Cobb, I don't think was a playoff right because he played for detroit um he only... i don't remember ty cobb going off on a playoff run but again ty cobb was only in three years in the playoffs 1907 1908 1909 okay and he technically did not have a good postseason in any of those years career 262 no. for the playoffs. yeah to him that's horrible yeah, I mean, one year he hit 368, but they they lost in the World Series all three games. So all three years, I should say. Look, I mean, if, he when, was there though. <laughs> when we're talking about the greats of the great, like the cream of the crop, it's valid to nitpick. You got to choose something. I mean, how do you differentiate players? And right, especially with you know, when we're talking about Trout and Mickey Mantle. You know, that might be like if they're close in numbers, that might be the determining factor. Right. You might say, all right, well, you know, Mickey is a what five time champion or yeah, whatever it was. Trout. Um, well, you're talking about Trout versus just the average major league player. No. Right. Mickey Mantle's seven time World Series champion. So yeah. that gives you that bonus points, you know, but. If it's close, but it may not, you know, it's amazing. Trout could, you know, we don't know. In the next four years, if he stays healthy, I mean, think about the numbers he's going to put up in the next four years if he stays healthy. You know, you're talking 30-something home runs a year, 100 ribbies, you know, close to a 300 average, another four years. So you're talking another 800 hits added onto his total. And so, you know, you're talking over 2,000 hits after that, you know, uh, 400 doubles probably. And, and Mike Trout is a guy that I think you'd be surprised he's never had 200 hits in a year. Yeah, that's another He's another only, thing to knock only had over 100 RBIs three times. That is pretty amazing. But that goes back to, I think, his, his injury history. Injury history. And I think you brought it up before. The, the modern game is not producing these milestone numbers. Yeah. Like, like our fathers and our grandfathers would look in the box score and say, that guy's going to hit 100 RBIs every year. That just doesn't happen anymore. Right. It's a different. It's a different type of. I, I don't. I hate to say the sabermetrics and the analytics. And you look at somebody with 25 home runs and 95 RBIs. That's a great year. But it's not like our grandparents' type of great year. Yeah. 
the advanced stats say sometimes, and and again, 95 RBIs in a year is still great. <laughs> Just think, coming into this year, Mike Trout has three games in the postseason, 15 plate appearances, 12 at-bats. Yeah. And his batting average is 083. So <laughs> if there's something to baseball, Look, if he's playing a wild card game against Tampa Bay, I'm rooting for him. Yeah. <laughs> if he's in the wild card series against Tampa Bay or against the White Sox, I'm rooting for him. And I hope he gets a big hit, goes to the divisional series. And then I hope, you know, if our teams are in it, they take care of it. But it's, yeah. I hope he gets a big hit so that that can kind of, go by the wayside but i think it's valid for now and right now they're they're in the they're in the wild card um they are four games behind first place houston in the west and they are two and a half games ahead of the white Sox for the final um wild card spot so let's hope it stays that way like we said you know this is a guy that needs to be in the playoffs and hopefully the baseball gods could make it so, and he stays healthy. That's the other big thing. So this coming week, we've got a bunch of games going into June. Um, I'm just, I'm just looking forward to. I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm looking forward to seeing what the Reds put on the field, because it's not very often that the Red Sox or the Yankees get to face the NL Central teams. True. <laughs> so. And think I about mean, it. This is this is my chance to see Joey Votto play. And think and about it. In a me, month, he's a Hall of Famer. So, in a month, that team's going to look a little, little different yes. too because they're yes. trade. They're definitely going to trade hopefully, off. Guys. Hopefully, for you guys, the Yankees pitching stays as as consistent as it has, and your hitting warms up again. And hopefully, for the Red Sox, the pitching gets better and the hitting stays the same. And um, like Chris said, you can find us at Talking Rivals, talkingrivals.com, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, at CP7NY, at Patrick Trotty. Um, just jump on Twitter. Let us know if you, if you have a question you want aired, if you want to continue the conversation off the air. We're always looking for guests to jump on the show. And um, this was episode 48. So we are... Uh, Almost towards the one year of starting the show. Nice. Yeah, it's it's flying by. And, um, yeah, just continue the conversation on social media. Uh, Give us a like and a follow and a listen. And um, until next time, enjoy the games and happy Memorial Day. Take care.